Have you ever had to wait for something in life? Maybe you're waiting right now. I'm not very good at waiting. In November, I went to Nepal with work, and when I flew back from Kathmandu, I, I'd landed at KLIA, and I'd gone through immigration, I was at the baggage reclaim, and the bags were just starting to come onto the belt. When one of the airport officials came up to me and said, uh, sir, were you on the flight from Kathmandu? I said, yeah. And he said, well, I'm afraid to tell you, your bag didn't make it. And I said, well, how do you know that my bag specifically didn't make it? And he said, well, that's because none of the bags made it. I said, well, that's strange. What are all of these bags coming through on the belt? And he said, oh, they're the bags from yesterday's flight from Kathmandu. I said, what? And, and he said, don't worry, sir, your bag will come on tomorrow's flight from Kathmandu. And I said to him, well, what happened to the people's luggage that are on tomorrow's flight from Kathmandu? He said, oh, well, their luggage will come the day after. I thought, this is crazy. They're never going to catch up. But sure enough, I had to leave my details. And exactly 24 hours later, I got my luggage from Kathmandu. Now, of course, I just had to wait one day. And it was just a bag. But maybe you're waiting much longer or you're waiting for something far more important. And you feel like you're never going to catch it. You'll never catch up. Or maybe you're waiting for that perfect job offer, offer to come through. Or you're waiting for a healing. Or you're waiting for a partner. Maybe uh, you're praying for a business breakthrough or some direction or purpose to your life. Maybe you're waiting for a relationship to be mended. Or maybe you're waiting for a prayer to be answered and it seems like God is silent or taking forever. Waiting can be difficult not just because we're impatient beings, but because we can feel out of control whilst we wait. We can fear the eventual outcome whilst we wait or the lack of outcome. And as scripture says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Waiting can also lead us to sort of an emotional state of paralysis and an inactivity in us. And we can get stuck in a state of limbo. So my talk today is entitled, How to Wait Well. In his first letter to the Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul wrote about the second coming of Christ, when Jesus will return at the end of time. But unfortunately, some of the Thessalonians misunderstood what Paul was talking about, and they assumed that Jesus' return was imminent. It was going to happen any time now. Therefore, they put their life on hold, not working, not marrying, just waiting. And they became a burden on others in the community who, who had to support them. Therefore, Paul writes his second letter to the Thessalonians to clear up the misunderstanding. And he gives great advice on how we can wait well. So I'm going to read to you a few verses from right near the end of his second letter. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 to 16. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is right. 
If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him. Do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Amen. So what does Paul's letter tell us about how to wait well? Well, the first thing it says is that our waiting should be active and not passive. We're not meant to be passive in our waiting. Verse 11, Paul writes, we hear that some among you are idle. They're not busy, they're busy bodies. Some in Thessalonica were using their waiting as an excuse to be idle. But the problem with being idle is we tend to fill our time with unhelpful things, unhelpful practices or attitudes. And these people were not busy, but busy bodies. The word used here in the Greek implies gossip as a pastime. It can be easy, can't it, to put our noses into other people's business and pass it on dressing it up in spiritual language, saying things like, oh, well, I'm just telling you this so that you can pray for them too. But Paul says, don't do that. Nicky Gumbel always used to say to us, if you're not part of the problem nor part of the solution, it's not your business. But instead, Paul says that our waiting should be active. He writes this in verses 12 and 13. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is right. I remember when Sarah and I first felt a very clear call from God to serve in ministry in Asia. We tried to make that happen ourselves straight away, but God very firmly closed the door. And we felt like him say, wait, I will make a way. And in the end, we ended up waiting about 19 years before we had the opportunity to move our family to Malaysia and begin to serve in the church. Now, did that mean that we put life on hold for 19 years, doing nothing? No, we got on with life. Uh, I got a job uh, uh, with a consumer goods company, built a career, then I got ordained. I served at HTB, the church there in London. Sarah, she uh, qualified as a teacher, she taught, then she went into publishing, and then she wrote something called the Baby Bible that ended up just being translated into 35 languages. It sold over a million copies, and she helped uh, launch and run a pregnancy advice center in the city we lived at the time. And throughout all these years, we learnt lots of really useful things. You know, sometimes God makes us wait, not because he's not ready, but because we aren't. God's apparent inactivity is not his inability. He's always at work in our lives, sometimes in hidden ways, but he transforms us and our character whilst we wait. I know he did that in my life and in Sarah's. So don't miss the gift that waiting offers us. Without it, for example, we'd never learn faithfulness. So waiting can be for our benefit. 
God can use it to work on and through us and transform you and me. But waiting can also be for the benefit of someone else. Another benefit of waiting is the good that we can do today. In the meantime, Paul says, never tire of doing what is right. You know, what good could you do today, even if you're in a season of waiting? In fact, you or I might precisely be in a season of waiting so that we can do something good and right for someone else in the meantime. What opportunities are before you right now to bless and to serve and to help someone else? There is purpose to our waiting. None of it is wasted and it's meant to be active and not passive. Secondly, our waiting is meant to be focused and not distracted. It's really easy in life, isn't it, to get distracted. I know I'm often distracted, but it's particularly true when we're waiting. We can get distracted from all that the Lord has for us. But Paul writes about how we can be focused whilst waiting. He says this in verses 14 and 15. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him. Do not associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. He says two things. Firstly, watch out for one another. Note the position in verse 14, but also the posture of kindness. They're not an enemy. And we can be there to watch out for one another whilst we're waiting. Uh, recently, some neighbours just down for, from the road from us, they were on holiday. And um, whilst we're on holiday, uh, and a neighbour very kindly said, okay, I'll, I'll empty the, the bins for you. And when they opened up their bin, this video shows what they found inside the bin. It's a cobra. And of course, when they saw it, they freaked out. Lots of us ran outside and someone said, quick, phone the emergency services. And whilst they were phoning the emergency services, the rest of us said, keep your eyes on the snake. Don't get distracted. Make sure you know where it is so that when they arrived, they could capture it. All of us were very focused whilst we waited for the emergency services to arrive. When Sarah saw the video, she said, oh, now I know what to do with the leftover Chinese New Year snack jars. We watched out very closely on behalf of our neighbour. But the second thing Paul also says is to anchor in the Lord. Verse 16, he says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you, all of you. So in particular, Paul says that whilst we wait, we should hold on to the peace of God and the presence of God. And as we hold on to the peace of God, peace in Christ, it means we can let go of fear of the future. Actually, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 34, he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. It means we can let go of the pain of regret of what could have been. We can let go of the shame of the past. 
Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians 5.17 that you are a new creation. And then he spells it out. He says, the old is gone. The new is here. And it means we can let go of the burden of unforgiveness. Writing to the Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So rather than being distracted whilst we wait, we can watch out for one another and anchor in the Lord, his peace and his presence. And we can know his presence through the Holy Spirit. And another way in which the church has embraced the presence of Christ down through the ages is through the sacrament of communion. Do you know, at the Last Supper, Jesus took bread, which symbolized his body on the cross. He blessed it, then he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And in the same way, we are taken, blessed, broken, and given. We are taken, for God lovingly takes hold of you. He rescues you. He makes you his own. And we are blessed, for God pours good things into your lives and mine. His affirmation, his provision, his inspiration, guidance, and transformation. Then we are broken, for inevitably we go through times when things fall apart, when our hearts are broken, our spirits crushed, and nothing seems to make sense. But finally, we are given, for out of the blessings and the brokenness, we are then able to give our lives to others. Our lives become channels of God's grace. So anchor in Christ whilst you wait. He will use you and this time and not a moment will be wasted. And then the third thing Paul says about waiting is this. It's meant to be hopeful, not helpless. Jesus's return is more than a doctrine. It's a promise, not just for the future, but it has an impact on how we live now in the present. And we wait with the gift of hope, knowing that when Jesus returns, all pain will cease, all suffering will be over, all tears will stop, justice will be done, and all questions left unanswered, hanging there, they'll be answered. There'll be no more uncertainty or lack of direction, but in him, all things will be made perfect at the resurrection. Yet ultimately, we're waiting not for an event, but for a person, Jesus. And we can know his presence with us now by his Holy Spirit. He's not left you alone. And God's presence in the present then enables us to live in the here and now, even in the waiting, with a greater awareness and appreciation of God's grace. I used to volunteer in a drug rehab center, and I, I met a guy there called Tony. Tony uh, had been a gangster, a drug addict, and a drug dealer. 
And he first came to the center with a pretense, uh, pretending to want to uh, come off drugs. But that wasn't his real reason for coming. He actually came to hide and to wait in the center whilst a particularly violent episode of gang warfare died down. But whilst waiting there, others watched out for him. And from them, Tony heard about the hope that Jesus brings. And he encountered Christ for himself when he was prayed for by others on an alpha course at that rehab center. So what began as a time of waiting actually became a time of transformation for Tony. I remember this one time I I saw uh, Tony take his shirt off and he had a huge scar down his side where he'd been stabbed by rival gang members. But Jesus enabled him to forgive, to let go of the hurt, to let go of the shame of what he'd done, the regrets of the past, and to live in the present, never tiring of doing good. Do you know today, Tony leads that rehab center. He's doing a lot of good. And what I love about him is his ability to truly grasp and live in God's grace. He has this phrase, whenever something challenging happens, he just smiles and says, it's all gravy. It's all gravy. What he means by that is actually all of life, it's grace. It's all a gift from God. You know, Tony, remembering where he'd come from, remembering who he used to be, all that he'd done, and remembering who he is now in Christ and the hope of what lies ahead, he truly appreciates God's grace. And that's a bit like the Apostle Paul himself. He seemed to view everything through the lens of grace. Even the most most painful experience in his life, his thorn in his side that he mentioned to the Corinthians in his second letter, referring to some sort of torment that wouldn't go away. Even that he sees in the light of God's grace. He writes that, In the midst of this suffering, God spoke to him saying, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. The same is true for you and for me. God's grace is sufficient for you and his power is made perfect in your weakness. He is with you in the waiting. There is purpose in it and none of it is wasted. So let me pray for you right now. Father Almighty, I I thank you for everyone watching this. And we pray, come Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, would you fill us afresh right now Just receive the presence and peace of Christ right now. The Lord loves you and his grace is sufficient for you.
and in the midst of any waiting in your life, just receive the power of God now by his spirit to help you persevere, but also to do good, to do that which is right in the present for him and for others. I pray for breakthrough for those praying and waiting for an answer. And I pray for healing for you in Jesus' name right now. Maybe like Tony, there's somebody watching this and you have a scar on your body and you're, it makes you feel ashamed or unworthy. The Lord says to you right now, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, a loved child of the Almighty. He speaks his love over you today. Thank you, Lord. Would you help us to wait well? In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, 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 oh,